0: All right, right, welcome welcome in everybody to uh, News Made Simple on Bitcoin Made Simple. And here we are talking about some interesting topics in the world. Uh, We have a dirty bomb that uh, has been talked about. Elon takes over at Twitter. And the hash rate in the Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining world is going parabolic. The treasury market is becoming illiquid. And German companies are dropping like flies. Ones, ones that, have that have survived, survived for a while. A while. So, so before, before we get into, get into that, that, I want to thank our, thank our sponsor, sponsor, the Bitbox O2, O2 hardware, hardware Wallet. wallet. Go get, get yourself a hardware wallet. wallet. You, you definitely, definitely need, need one in general, in general but go, go get a BitBox02 hard wa- hard hardware wallet. And yeah. use, use the promo code BitcoinMadeSimple to get 5%, 5% off. That's, that's shiftcrypto.ch slash simple. And, and thanks, as, as always, to them for, them for sponsoring. If you, you guys, guys want to listen to the show live... Uh, like, you're, you're, if you're, if you're not, not listening live right now and you're, and you're listening, listening on our regular, regular podcast channel, channel you, you can, can hear this live on Movies, Movies Plus. Plus. So, so download, download the app Movies Plus. Plus. It's, it's in all your favorite app stores. stores. And, and when, when we, we go live, you'll be, be notified. And, and you can, you can watch, watch the live stream of us talking about this Bitcoin, Bitcoin world. world. Um, so, so, yeah. yeah. Welcome, welcome in, everybody. everybody. And Luke and Phil, it's been a while since we've done this. So what's going on, guys?
1: what up luke you want to go first just
2: been cruising just been uh inside the world of bitcoin uh just trying to uh navigate my way uh, uh what we through what is like the largest sovereign debt bubble bursting in human history um obviously got the bank of england blowing up bank of japan blowing up <laughs> you got the bank of england printing money with inflation above 10 percent. it's all happening Uh, I'm just sitting back with a big box of popcorn um, because, you know, it's life so easy when you've got Bitcoin. You don't need to worry about all of the carnage in financial markets. How about you, Phil? What have you been up to?
1: Same. Focusing on geopolitics. I mean, kind of more or less what everyone is looking at. What's happening abroad and within each nation state kind of sort of as well as what that means for their balance sheets and just laughing at these people so desperately wanting a Fed pivot. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that you can see, like having a just being very skeptical and taking every headline with a grain of salt and trying to understand what motivation people have when they write these headlines. Ultimately, people don't think that the Fed is going to pivot when they don't understand that the landscape is much different from when it was during the great financial crisis. And so I just am laughing when people are like, oh, yeah, Fed has no choice, blah, blah, blah. So I think the landscape is a lot different uh, these days. And as far as Bitcoin, it's a buying opportunity of a lifetime if you have cash. Yeah, you, yeah, you should, should be, be buying, buying as, as, much as much as you can. can.
0: As, as quick as, quick as, as you can. can. Um mm-hmm. So, so, all right, uh, uh, Phil. You, you want to talk, talk about, about a dirty bomb, you
1: dirty, dirty bag. bag? Yeah. Well, again, prime example of the false flag opportunities that the European Union is so desperate to use in order to get the United States into a World War III for them to fight, as Europe has always done with World War One and World War Two. And really, I can I think one of the the big things to highlight is that, as I mentioned, Liz Truss was sacked last week, and Richie Sunak came in to replace her, and he's basically just a globalist Davos puppet as basically a watchman over the United Kingdom. So that way he can just keep an eye on on it and make sure that no British Brexit sovereignists get any wild ideas. So he's basically trying to hold down the fourth there by passing economic policy that is completely opposite of what Liz trust had in mind. So he came out with legislation for a CBDC as kind of the, the pilot opportunity for that, that the globalists at the World economic forum would probably like to see. Uh, apparently that got slapped down in, in Canada because the commercial banks over there basically stood up and said, no, we're not going to print ourselves into oblivion. They're strictly in line following the, the team Federal Reserve policy of, of raising rates. And basically, this is just a <laughs> a, a way for, for Davos to try to gain as much control and control demolition as possible. So anything that you see... Of, of these types of policies, it is just a desperate cry of them actually losing and trying to maintain as much control as, as possible. Like, I know I sound like like a broken record, but that is basically, to me, what, what is happening. And so with the dirty bomb, it's basically, <laughs> you had uh, Shoigu, who is the Russian uh, defense minister, calling up the defense ministers of both the the uk i believe turkey and also over on 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 our side of of the pond basically saying hey we actually have some russian intelligence saying that uh the ukraine is building a dirty bomb and it's basically like a step below actually using nuclear bombs on the russian border and when this kind of stuff happens this isn't kind of like a a calling up to check in to say hey is this actually happening this is if 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 russian intelligence is giving this information to the russian defense minister the russian defense minister only calls the u.s and the uk because he feels like there is a legit threat and he's trying to de-escalate it as, as much as possible and Their peace and Q's in line in their eyes and dotted and their T's crossed, but uh, essentially, I, I think it's just it's just NATO trying to push the poke the Russian bear to do something drastic because yeah, Russia did invade, but they were the ones that attacked first because all of this was just instigation on a uh, NATO to basically you know call call Russia's bluff and make them in- invade. So you're basically having these NATO forces trying to poke the Russian bear. But if you listen to people like Scott Ritter, who was basically Top Gun (laughs) when he was in the Air Force, um, he's a he's a great American patriot. But he's also having Russian ministers on his podcast and getting their perspective where you don't get that on the mainstream media. And he's basically having a real constructive dialogue. But he's bringing the uh, point of view of just from his experience. You have people within American military uh, intelligence saying that this is idiotic for America to actually invade Russia and have this, and and basically giving the pass for Ukraine to create this kind of bomb. And basically, if Europe tries to force the U.S. to fight this war for them, because they don't have that that strong those strong guns that that weaponry that armory because the united states has been the military of the world for you know since the world wars if you have that then you basically have this undeniable fed pivot right because how else do you fund wars you deficit spend yourself into oblivion which is what davos wants (laughs) and you have people like jerome powell and the commercial banks saying, no, we're going to tighten. And you have people like Jamie Dimons coming out and saying, essentially, we don't want this Davos policy of being the, the, the watchman of climate change policy. That's not the job of the banks. And again, you have this split divide between interests at the el- elitist level. So this is I've seen from a 30,000-foot view, and you basically have Team America saying, fuck off. Essentially, that team America are the are the Fed and the commercial banks, and the sovereigntists like this pro American stance. The Fed's going to be the bank of the United States, and people within the military are actually have a rational point of view, saying, "Yeah, (laughs) nuclear war is in nobody's best interest."
0: Yeah, nuclear war usually isn't in people's best interest, right?
2: What do you think oh. yeah it's wild um i think to add a little bit of color to what phil was saying um like a lot of people um that's that you know still expecting let's let's call it the fed pivot uh, they're kind of wondering why the fed is still raising rates uh with inflation having actually decreased over the past two months um so a lot of people thought okay once inflation peaked and it's come down from 9.1 to 8.3 percent maybe that's when you'll start seeing the Fed pivot especially when you're watching things like the treasury market go illiquid and the fed's still not pivoting um I think uh and like obviously you're watching the United Nations get down on their knees and beg the uh the Federal Reserve to uh pivot and they're still not doing it um so I yeah. think I, I think a lot of people aren't zooming out and just looking at the fact that, okay, maybe the U.S. is not so interested about inflation. Maybe the U.S. is trying to protect its 250-year hegemony as the world's dominant global superpower and protect their 100-year hegemony that they've had on the global reserve currency. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I, so, I, I, Sorry. No, no, you go. Well, you had Jerome Powell again last year saying that the world, there is more than enough room for multiple world reserve currencies so their hegemony is not what the banks want to preserve because that is getting the best of them because they no longer want to have to export all of this inflation because that's what's coming back to bite them in the ass so they don't give a shit about inflation they give a shit about preserving their credibility by draining back all this inflation by raising rates like the reverse repo rate and now have 2.4 trillion dollars in those reverse repo facilities. So uh, again, if if they get pushed to war, then they will have to to you know uh, monetize the the debt. And it, th- this isn't really about inflation; it's about destroying the offshore dollar market and preserving its credibility.
0: So you're saying a rock in a hard place.
1: I mean, more or less, but every bull that you see in the bear is just another example, or it just is just more proof that they have more room to raise rates essentially because people thought that we're saying less than a year ago, like earlier this year, that the Fed can't even raise 1% or else everything's going to break. And we're oh, not seeing that anymore.
2: I'm one and of we reindexed those...
1: re-indexed our debt to SOFR, no longer a LIBOR. And so there's more than enough room for the Fed to keep raising rates. And this pivot isn't going to be they're going to start cutting. They're just going to probably keep it at 6% or whatever they decide to land on. Yeah, I want to take the
2: other side of that. Um, uh, because I was one of those people in 2021. I said there's no way in the world that with global debt levels today that the Fed can raise interest rates above 1% without breaking the global economy. And obviously, federal funds rate is now at 4%. So a lot of people would say, okay, Luke, you were clearly wrong on that. And I'll would, I would admit, yeah, maybe I was a little bit wrong on that. But what you are watching is the global financial system breaking. So I, I that's think the that's a good... Exactly. So that was the caveat that I put out in 2021. I said the Fed would have to pivot because they're breaking the global economy due to the high amounts of debt that we're living through today in the 2020s that weren't present in the 1980s when Volcker raised rates to above 20%. I said they can't do that today because they're going to break the global financial system. But in 2021, I had the view that all central bankers were working in tandem and cohoots with each other, and they were all cooperating. And that was obviously uh, shown by the globally coordinated lockdowns and uh, monetary stimulus responses in 2020. Uh, that was a response to the repo market crisis in 2019. It had nothing to do with some virus. But, but I think what we are watching is breakage. We're watching mm-hmm. central banks all around the world pivot. The RBA in Australia is not raising rates as aggressively as they said they would. The Bank of England's printing money with inflation above ten percent. Uh, the yield, the bond market in Japan is absolutely blowing, blowing up, literally blowing up. Uh, like the Japanese yen is at a twenty-five year low measured against the dollar. The British pound is at a thirty-seven year low measured against the dollar. Uh, yeah. The euro, what's the euro at? Twenty-two year low measured against the dollar, something like that. Which so. Is right. wait, its entire history. Yes. Yeah, so what we are watching is breakage. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out in the U S because the U S is still seeing some sort of stress. Um, like I don't think they can raise, rates to 10% because the U S is still a very leveraged country. We're just better off than the rest of the world. So exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think they recognize that they're in that position where like everybody is falling over the cliff but they're at the back of the line. So they're like, well, let's push everybody else over and gives us time to figure our shit out, you know? Instead of waiting for everyone to fall off one at a time over the waterfall, they just decided to shove the line so everybody goes over. And now they've got, you know, a little bit of leeway. Yeah. Like, All right, what are we going to do
1: next? How do we fix yeah. this? How and they have plenty of leeway. And, and like, the the repo spasm occurred because everyone was still, like, They were. Everyone was switching over to SOFR instead of LIBOR, and so of course that's why like credit markets kind of froze up overseas. And the more thing that things break, the better for the U.S. because capital flight is going to go to the U.S. So that's happening because people are seeing that oh, we they're actually being serious about raising rates, and they might actually be serious about balancing their their budget and their deficit. And this is why the midterms are so important, because if you actually get like, I guess, MAGA conservatives in there, then you have people that will be willing to cut social programs like Social Security and Medicare, because we are spending way too much on it. I think it's about $900 billion. And if you cut that to, I think, 46 cents to the dollar instead, I mean, that still leaves them about $400 billion, which surely is not nothing. And most people our age everyone on this call pretty much understands that this is why we buy bitcoin because everything that we put into social security is going to be dog shit because everything's going to be inflated to the point where the dollars that we put in initially won't mean anything and we also will stop paying the fat cat old farts and forcing them to actually utilize all the savings and uh assets that they have accumulated over their life to use that to take care of whatever health problems they have because that's what wealth is supposed to do and so we no longer are socializing their inheritance that they're going to be passing over so there's also backup programs there's um i mean there's also alternatives are that currently exist i can't i can't uh like supplemental income and basically there's other programs Program alternative to Social Security and Medicare as well that already exist that are basically available on a needs basis and not just an age basis and so these ideas that are just like more rational I think will be able to actually be be more more utilized and because we cut cut these programs there's just going to be more than enough money floating around. So I think, and and if we cut programs like towards the the military as well, and spend less on education, um, these these things that are are just so very practical might actually come to fruition again if we have people that give a shit about America in office. And I'm not saying that voting is a one-all cure-all, but It actually is important. Like we're seeing people being pushed to the limit. I mean, there's people like uh, I I think Chuck Schumer. I think it was that I heard that he actually has like a 25% chance of like not getting his um his his seat back in the Senate. Basically, people's ideas are uh, of how how the people that they vote for are benefiting them are starting to turn around. I think mostly because everybody's been somewhat awakened during the the whole downfall of, of COVID and, and the PSYOP. So not only that, but I think we'll, or, or at least the Fed and Congress will be forced to remonetize gold and hopefully Bitcoin as well and, and have that be part of the treasury coupon payout for 50 and 100 year treasury bonds as Judy Shelton wanted to do during uh, the Trump administration. But you had a bunch of globalists in, in charge, and they wouldn't let Trump put her on the FOMC board. So I think a, a tide is turning, the pendulum is swinging, and it's going to swing back. But before that, we should we should try to take advantage of much of that as possible. Because people on both sides of the aisle are just fed up of being PSYOPs for the past two, almost three years. That's how I see it.
0: Yep. I think the people in the middle are starting to go, oh, okay. Um, Maybe this is a little crazy. Uh, And don't get excited there, you on the far, far right, because whenever it pushes that direction, the pendulum's going to go back the other way, as it should. Yeah. Um, So, you know, this is the balance of power. Uh, Let's just find out how much power is actually balanced. Um, All right, so uh, what about next topic? Uh, Oh, before I get into that, Just a reminder, get yourself a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet from Shift Crypto. Everybody needs to protect their coins. Get them off the exchange before the exchange takes them from you. Get a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Um, So uh, Elon took over Twitter.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He went into the office, was carrying a sink, and he tweeted, let that sink in when he posted that video. It's hilarious. Just Elon, our, our favorite troll. And ultimately, this is us winning. I think, I mean, this may have been Elon's plan all along, but people speaking up on on Twitter and putting these ideas of, you know, being against censorship into the zeitgeist, I think that this is great because it is kind of like people's grassroots opinions are actually mattering and are trickling up to the powers that be, if you want to call it that. But, yeah, he fired the CEO, the CFO, and then the head of, like, legal policy, which was basically the, you know, pink hair, blue-haired, you know, lefty freaks that would cancel people and just, you know, I guess, sift through Twitter hatred online. And he basically sacked those positions. And it's pretty great. <laughs> and it, it's funny to see all the the – the profanity that people wouldn't get away with uh, just almost immediately people saying, dropping all these racial slurs and, and whatnot. Like, I'm not advocating for that, but in a way I am because it should be the public sphere and the public square and whatever. The best idea will win and all that BS. We want to keep an and eye all on that all, stuff that we saw in for, the open. So fun. this is just kind of a breath of fresh air seeing all this degeneracy. But again, it's not like I mean, maybe some people mutin it, maybe they don't again, not advocating for this behavior outright. I mean, this does, doesn't represent what I believe, but I ultimately believe in free speech, and this is just it, it's funny. like people I think will want to get it out of their system and 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 we'll see how much how much leverage Elon actually has.
0: The standing up for free speech means standing up for speech you don't agree with. Um, exactly. Which is kind of like a, one of the unofficial mottos of uh, Movies Plus. Um, I tweeted out this morning, I don't know if you saw it, but it, it uh, Twitter, ever since Elon took over and fired the, the czar of Ministry of Truth or whatever that would, you know, yeah. ban your account if you said the simplest truth out loud, um, I said it reminded me of seventh grade. I mean, this was a specific event, but it happened multiple times. I remember, like, our English teacher in seventh grade, like, the principal came to the door. and was like, you know, she went out in the hallway, gave a little nod, like, come out. She was like, I'll be right back. Just, you know, keep working on your stuff. So the teacher leaves the room. And as soon as the teacher leaves the room, somebody, maybe me, I don't know. It might have been somebody else. But somebody yells, penis! Just as loud as they could. Great. Uh, and then somebody else yells, Vagina! You know, then somebody goes, boobs! And then, you know, people just keep yelling things until uh, until the teacher comes back and the teacher comes back. But this in this instance, so that's what Twitter feels like right now because, I mean, I've literally seen those words tweeted just by themselves because people are trying to push the envelope and see what happens. Um, but the good news is uh, the teacher's not coming back this time. There is no hall monitor anymore on uh, Twitter. So I got to say, I'm not an Elon stan because obviously, you know, everything he did with Doge and him turning on Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff was not good. But I think overall, um, you know, this is a good thing. And I do believe he wants what's best for society uh, in general. And I think he understands the public town square Is uh important, so this is a rare moment where somebody with a lot of money is is spending it not to their own benefit. Because honestly, how does he get more than 44 billion dollars out of this or whatever he spent on it? I don't know. Um, it's that's a lot of cash, and you know, maybe it'll pay out financially, but like he's not really doing it for that, he's doing it for the right reasons, so I don't know. Um you know, I think it's a good thing. Luke, what do you think? Are you going to just start tweeting out absurd things?
2: Oh, of course. Um, I've actually, so I've been monitoring. Uh, so I've been shadow banned heavily, uh, really, really heavily. I'll lose uh, somewhere around 10 followers a day uh, for the past six months. So it's um, it's pretty it's pretty good shadow banned. But I've been watching it the last 24 hours and I haven't lost any followers. So that's interesting. Um, I... I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, I think Elon overall, like obviously uh Slayer Heroes. Um, I simped a little bit hard for Elon in twenty twenty when he fought, when he first bought Bitcoin, but always with the caveat of okay, this dude developing uh microchips that are being implanted in people's brains. I was aware of that the whole time, kind of thinking, okay, is Elon con- controlled opposition? I don't know. Uh, but you know, I I'll just I'll 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 cautiously watch um, the events unfold as they do and hopefully Twitter does improve. Um, I I, Like Twitter is the only social media platform that I really use with any sort of regularity these days. Um, I I don't use Facebook. I don't use Instagram. Like I'll post to there to like advertise videos and like Bitcoin stuff, but you'll never see me sitting there scrolling. It's just not because Twitter is just a completely different platform and I think Elon buying Twitter um, is just going to, in my opinion it's just going to bring more and more people uh, to Twitter in the future
0: keep that public town square going
2: Um, Twitter is the metaverse
0: yeah, as much as I hate the metaverse it is, (laughs) I mean you know, people were talking about it and I was like, you know, I think we've been in the metaverse for a while, because like that's what me and my friends did. You know, like we started playing we had LAN parties back in the day. You guys are too young to know what that means. But we used to have to get all of our Xboxes together in one room and like or in one house and then run Ethernet cables to each other's and play on a on a on a loop so that we could play, you know, Halo or Call of Duty. Um
1: Land parties as in local area network.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you ever had those, but it was uh, it was fun. Good times. Um, So, anyways, uh, uh, what? Oh, I I just got a text. Sorry, as we're doing this live, I'm getting like these. You know, the video was down for a second, so I don't know what happened there. Um, But anyways, we're all good uh we're streaming live and bringing it to you guys uh you know we're doing this with our pants down so you guys see what's going on in the background um we uh well mm-hmm. luke was actually that was why he was late because he was walking around his apartment <laughs> butt naked always
2: um... every day my friend <laughs> Always trying to get some sun we're trying to get some el Salvador sun
0: uh um... oh hash rate going parabolic wt fudge is going mm. on there. Um, Luke, you brought that up, so I'll let you start the topic, but I have some thoughts on it as well.
2: Yeah, so um, I have some very uneducated thoughts on this topic. Um, when I first saw hash rate going parabolic, I thought, okay, this is interesting. Uh, you've got an energy crisis all around the world, so energy prices are skyrocketing. So naturally, people would be less incentivized to be plugging in new miners when they're paying a lot of money on electricity. So I was thinking to myself when I first saw the chart of a hash rate going parabolic, okay, is this nation-state hash wars going on right now? Is this Russia plugging in a shit ton of miners because they've got access to pretty much free energy and free electricity, and obviously Russia's been sanctioned by the world, and Russia also... Come out and said hey we're gonna accept bitcoin for uh any sort of payments whether that's uh gas and oil so that was my first um opinion when i saw that chart of hash rate going parabolic in the middle of a bear market which is typically unprecedented um and then i was talking to a few people and they said recently uh some of the miners i can't remember it was the s17 or the s19s but they've a lot of efficiency gain recently like a 30 to 40 percent efficiency gain so maybe that's the uh is it Occam's razor? The the simplest explanation's typically the uh the 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 causal uh explanation of something. So I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on at the moment. Um have you guys been keeping yeah. an eye on the hash? Yeah, yeah,
1: so I I subscribe to The Bent, which I rarely read, but uh Marty put out a very prescient issue of it. And so basically at an all-in-cost of 0.06 kilowatt hours most ASIC models are profitable though not very profitable at all so if you're running s9s at m21s or m20s you're currently mining at a loss and let me see here what does he say okay.
0: for the
1: s19s s19 and m30s are scraping by with 0.01 cents and 0.05 cents of daily profit, respectively. Four, so unless you're... At what kilowatt? At the uh, same... At six cents? Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. that I can verify that um, because I'm running an S19 and I pay 11 cents per kilowatt. And at the current price... and oh, rate... oh, and
1: uh, uh, 10,000 kilowatt hour. 10 cents per 10,000 kilowatt hour as well.
0: Is what? A profit at one cent?
1: Yeah. So he says, let's well, put into perspective by highlighting the profil- profitability of different ASIC models mining at an electricity cost of six point oh uh, six and point oh eight and point ten kilowatt hour. If there's a diagram there. I mean, anyone can go find this. Just subscribe to the Ben. It's free. But go ahead, Corey.
0: Um. Yeah. No. I. I. I jokingly say that, and I've been saying it on my individual pods, um, my BMS episodes, but uh. It's basically turned into a DCA machine for me. <laughs> so It's like, well, it's not really profitable. I mean, it kind of is, you know, by a hair. But uh, basically, at this point, it's instead of DCAing with like Swan or somebody else, I just have a machine running in the basement that is uh, getting me, DCAing me KYC free Bitcoin. Um, also heating my house. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, to shout out to the black box that I have coming, uh, and then I'm going to work with Crypto Cloaks and I'm plugging it directly into my HVAC system, uh, which will make it even more efficient. But just, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, but just pointing the ASIC from, I had it pointed towards the out exterior wall and I flipped it around and facing into the basement. And now, my house my my heater hasn't turned on and it's been hovering at like 70 degrees and we set the thermostat at 68 so um yeah that's been pretty cool uh (laughs) if anything actually i had to keep an eye on it and make sure that it doesn't flip to air conditioning because i heard i have a heat pump so the same machine runs for the heat and the cool and i heard it kick on the other night and i was like what the hell and I looked and it was cooling my house. Like my air conditioner turned on because the house was too warm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anyways, that's my little sidebar. At least it's saving me money on my heating bill. But, yeah. Um, my thoughts on what's going on with the hash rate is I think, personally, I think some uh, there's a nation state acting here. Um, you know, because what are the incentives? Uh Okay, Russia was cut off from SWIFT. Russia has a lot of oil to sell. Russia has an abundance of energy. I don't know. They're not going to come out and say, hey, we're Bitcoin maxis, you know, because, like, Putin's not for, like, the betterment of humanity. Like, that's not what he's about. Um, But Bitcoin is for your enemies, you know? Yep. Bitcoin is for everyone. So you have to accept that. And, um, so, and I also think that's why Russia, if Russia were to make a play like this, they're not going to come out and announce it. You know what I mean? Where El Salvador, we think for the most part, is for the betterment of humanity and their civilians that live there. So they came out very proudly and said, we are behind Bitcoin. We've made it our legal tender, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, where Russia's like, look, we don't want this to be better for everybody. We want to keep it to ourselves. So I'm not going to say anything about it, Um, you know, because then that opens an attack vector for the countries that they are um, against, you know, where like the U.S. and Ukraine and NATO and everybody could start attacking the crap out of the Bitcoin network. Um, So, yeah, I think that's where it's going. Also, it's a little bit of a coincidence that uh, Compass Mining all of a sudden had all these miners in Russia and then all of a sudden they were gone. Everybody lost their miners, and Compass was like, hey, we can't get those back, by the way. Um, It will be interesting, though, because who was the miner that just announced that they can't make their debt payments? Um, And Dylan LeClaire has been all over this, but I I think a lot of public miners have been overexposed to relying on their Bitcoin reserves. And and I think the hash rate is going to start dropping here a little bit, because this is nuts. The Mm. Bitcoin price is down at its last cycle peak and the hash rate is at an all-time high. I would not have predicted this. I would have... If I had known this in May, I probably would have waited to buy my miner until now. Um, So if you're one of those people that has been thinking about it and you were listening to me in May going like, "Ah, I'm not quite ready, um, take it from this moron. uh, Buy it now. You're in a great position. Now's the time to buy.
2: Hundred percent. I have FOMO so bad to get like a mining rig. I think the ones I was looking at six months ago, they're well over ten thousand bucks. I think they're like two and a half thousand now. Um so I got FOMO to buy a mining rig. Um
0: yeah. and uh, I, I'll tell you the efficiency you mentioned. So I have the S nineteen and they advertise it at like hundred and ten terahashes or whatever. Um I put it in low mode, low electricity mode, and it still pumps at like the hash rate between 100 and 110, but it uses way less electricity. So I've if I put it in normal mode, I'd be hashing at like 130, but it's less profitable. So I just pump it down to to low mode. Um so to to further your uh, theory that that much more efficient, absolutely. So it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on um and uh Luke, I don't know if you're naked now or if you're, you know, off camera and you can hear us. Um but if you want to get into the treasury market becoming illiquid. Well, um, before
1: that, I just want to speak on yeah, it, it's funny it. how y'all mentioned how the costs of miners have gone down and we're seeing all these like deflationary aspects come into effect and deflationary not the destruction of money. Um like the the normy layman idea of inflation. So the cost of miners are going down, the cost of housing is drastically dropping, cost of automobiles is dropping, whereas a year ago people were paying out their ass for a used car. And I just think it's really interesting because like you are seeing QT actually working in the background and sending you those signals of hey you shouldn't be interested in buying this house and we're seeing the real estate bubble collapse in in front of us and it's it, it's beautiful so i just kind of think it's really uh just it, like a a breath of relief seeing this monetary policy actually happen and uh just this 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 whole talk about hyperinflation kind of uh, coming to fruition Hyperinflation and hyperdeflation, as, as Ron Paul always says, is the side of, of the same coin. Yep. So we're seeing both kind of happen at once. My one,
0: my one sister who doesn't listen to the podcast, so the one that's listening, I won't name who's who, but I, uh, I and the one that doesn't listen, she joked with me and said, because uh, I was talking about macroeconomics, all those things, and she goes, oh, you mean like how all your things didn't come true? And I was like, actually, the only thing I was wrong about was the price of Bitcoin in October of 2022. Everything else has happened. Um, So, yeah. Uh, But Luke, go ahead. Take it. What were you going to say?
2: Oh, yeah, I was going to chime in on the inf- hyperinflation, hyperdeflation. Um, I, I thought Phil was going to take the uh, deflationist camp, but he saved himself there when he said we're seeing both at the same time. Because uh, I I'm, I have been a hyperinflation maximalist. I think the first podcast we ever did uh, together, Corey, was in early t- mid-2021 when inflation had just popped up. And at that time, I published like a – like an 8,000-word article looking at the long-term debt cycle. And from mid-2021, my thesis was inflation is not transitory. You're going to see hyperinflation. And I think you're going to see it before 2025. I think that's what I said in that podcast. Um, and I, I think since then, you're you're watching the emerging signs of hyperinflation all around the world. Uh, but you're watching hyperdeflation in some areas in the United States, which is really interesting. So, like, if you look at Argentina, Inflation is predicted to hit 100% by the end of the year. Inflation in Sri Lanka is 110% year over year. Uh, Inflation in Turkey is ridiculous, like 70 or 80%. So people are losing half of their purchasing power every single year. Um, But then obviously in the United States, people are still losing a lot of purchasing power, but asset prices are crashing uh, in the US and the West. So really interesting dynamic. Um, We could probably go down that rabbit hole in another hole uh weekly tidbits um news session uh but what did you want to hit on and round us out on Corey? uh
0: the treasury market becoming illiquid
2: yeah so i wanted to actually pick phil's brains about this because he's really following uh the infighting between the factions in the united states so obviously we have a federal
1: that Finger. not so much i think i'm briefly touched on this lastly um i mean in my last uh, newsletter of QPaul. Stands for quiet parts out loud. Uh, but, but basically, I think this is like the what's the um, what I'm about to talk about is, is what was kind of the game plan before the treasury market was illiquid. But basically, Janet Yellen was coming out and saying, hey, we're the, the treasury itself is going to buy back debt from the market. And it was kind of like an end round uh, around the Fed because the Fed would usually do something like that. And again, I think this is just like another signal to force the the Fed to to pivot when that's not the Fed's mandate whatsoever. So I think I think most of the debt that's uh, ill illiquid will probably be the shorter term Treasury bills that are before or shorter than than, than ten years. I would say. And if that's the case, then I think that this is just a, like, a, a, about the process of uh, elimination. This is just a, a temporary thing, and you'll see yields to start coming down as you see capital flight leave Europe and go back into the United States, and people will scale the amount of dollars they hold through things like the Dow and gold and Bitcoin, but ultimately that's going to go back to U.S. treasury bonds, 10-year year and shorter, and also longer durations, especially if... The Treasury and the Fed reindex um some of the treasury payouts to gold for like five percent or whatever it might be. So sorry, I said reindex I meant remonetize gold. So I mean that's just again like a thirty thousand foot view of how I see this. I'm not as like in depth into the weeds of the ongoings of the Treasury market as probably Luke is. so I'm still learning
2: yeah i I, I think it's it's really interesting i. I, I'm still waiting to see that capital flight into US bonds. I'm not mm-hmm. as convinced as others that it's going to happen. Like the TLT is down. Uh, f- I don't know. Mean, uh, actually, we released an episode with Greg Foss today on the uh, Bitcoin Made Simple channel. And Foss and I were talking about the TLT for about 10 or 15 minutes. I would encourage and the TLT the listeners- is the 20 year bond. So I would encourage the listeners to go and check out that episode that we just released today with FOSS. It's a bit of a cracker. Um, and FOSS is a walking, talking highlights reel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're looking at the, the TOT bond and the things down like 45% in the past 12 months. So that capital flight isn't going into us treasuries yet. It's still going into just the dollar of the us dollar. Um, so I right, Interested to see that because Janet Yellen came out, it was two or three days ago, earlier this week. I think it was Monday, sorry. Ye- Yellen came out Monday and said, yeah, we're seeing stress in the treasury market. Um, there's illiquidity in the treasury market. It's obviously because entities such as China and Japan are selling treasuries at the fastest rate that they've sold treasuries over like the past 10 or 15 years. So the biggest holders of US treasuries in the world, Japan and China, who both hold like, a trillion dollars of US treasuries they're both selling treasuries because right. they're trying to get their hands on the US dollars to
1: shore up their currencies so it's just right the- and they'll do that until their currencies implode and then everything will go back into the dollar and then eventually 10 years in, in 20 years but I just think it's hilarious because I retweeted a story today from the hill yelling with saying I don't see signs of a recession and i retweeted yeah just like she said the housing market was fine before the great financial crisis so good job little troll pat on the head you fucking twat
0: hey hey watch the swear words watch yeah. the swear. we're gonna have to change the rating of this to r actually r- no you can get i'm joking but um with a movie you can get like um you can get like two R words or two uh two F words in now before getting to R. Um little tidbit for anybody that didn't know this, I don't know if the rules are still the same, but back in the day, like, if somebody was smoking in a PG thirteen movie, it would be rated R, but you had to like anou- like you had to have a, a character say something about how smoking was bad for you. In the in the loosest terms. It wasn't like that guy's smoking. Smoking's bad for you but like it had to. You had to have some kind of statement within the movie.
2: Um,
1: just trying to get a little cancer stand.
2: I didn't know that. That's uh, that's interesting. And what did you say the first part? If the podcast has two f bombs in it, it's R rated.
0: Well, no. I mean, I'm just joking about the podcast. But in a movie, oh, okay, like it used to be no f bombs. Then they added one. You could have one f bomb
2: in a PG thirteen movie. Hmm. Um, Speaking of F-bombs, uh, YouTube recently uh, took down one of our videos, uh, a video I did on the uh, bank runs in China. So I would encourage the listener to go and check out a little BitChute um, account that I threw together. Maybe we can throw the link to that BitChute account in the description. but um, And you guys can head on over to BitChute and see what uh, YouTube didn't want you to see. Because uh, obviously we got um, bank runs in China, so I did a little bit of a breakdown in like a fifteen-minute video, walking through the housing crisis in China and how there's bank runs in China and how some wealthy uh, billionaire in China stole six billion dollars um, from four hundred thousand Chinese depositors. So I did a little video breaking all that down and um youtube didn't like what i had to say so just another shout out against people who don't like free speech uh Corey, that's obviously what your day job is all about creating netflix 2.0 supporting free speech over on moviesplus.com so just a daily reminder why youtube is a shit coin uh we have a strike against our youtube channel now i'm sorry about that lads yeah, but it was inevitable it was I'm surprised I got it for such a tame video. I, I, it was classed as disinformation, is what oh, they told me. Well, um, well, the at least they told you why
1: happy. they took it down. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's yeah. wild. I didn't know about that. And last thing to round it out, uh, so a handful of German companies that survived both world wars, the Great Depression, hyperinflation in the Weimar Republic all those things um they all went out of business like within 24 hours so talk about that Luke
2: Yeah, so a lot of people are saying like, oh, this is just another garden variety recession. A lot of people are saying, oh, what we're living through today is just another repeat of 08 or the 2000 tech uh, tech bubble crash. And I think a lot of people just aren't zooming out and recognizing where we are in terms of history. Like, I think this is the big one. I think this is the bursting of the everything bubble. Uh, This is is like what we're living through is, is historic. Um, and that's kind of reflected by a lot of the carnage you're seen around the world. So, um, in Germany, there's like four of the largest companies in Germany. I don't actually have the names of them on hand. My phone's over there charging, but these companies, they all lasted for longer than 125 years and they all went bankrupt last week in the span of 24 hours. And they're not like in the same industry. So it's not like this thing that would make sense. It's like companies in all sorts of different industries in Germany and obviously, if they were if they were around for one hundred and twenty five years, that means they survived World War One, they survived World War Two, the Great Depression in the nineteen thirties, and the hyperinflation uh, in Germany in nineteen twenty three. Um, these companies survived all of that carnage. But today, 2022, with the energy crisis that's going on in Germany, we've produced a price inflation hitting 46% um, and CPI inflation is well above 10% now in Germany. Uh, These companies just couldn't handle them anymore. Um, They simply can't afford to keep the lights on in their businesses and continue producing goods and services for the world. So they went bankrupt. Um, There's another little statistic. Um, I think the the rates of uh, bankruptcy... In companies in Germany rose from 34% in 2021 to 762% in 2022. Uh, So that's, I I don't know exactly what that means. Um, I, I, I assume that means bankruptcies are up 700%. Yeah.
1: And I think that only puts more pressure on the ECB because companies in Europe and especially the ones that you're talking about I would understand why they go bust because they produce commodities and stuff and commodities have been through the roof. But from what I learned from TL Tom Longo and others is that companies in Europe aren't as capitalized like something like Apple in the U S and, and companies like Apple in the U S can finance themselves by issuing debt to the market. And they don't have to go directly to the banks. Whereas other companies in Europe are basically the bank's bitch. Like they're not as capitalized. They can't just go out to the market and issue more corporate bonds. And so it it just kind of gets to show how robust of the creation of private capital in the American economy is compared to the rest of the world. But I also see how the real chink in the armor of these companies that have been around forever are the ones that are producing like the hard, tangible assets as far as, you know, engineering and, Automotives and, and energy. And that. It, it's kind of like the, the forcing. Choke out of the US. Draining dollars from Europe. And also Russia on the other end. Jacking up energy prices. To choke them out. But again this is the. This is kind of the game plan. Of like the Powell and Putin. Versus Davos. And whether or not they're. Explicitly calling each other up. And coordinating this policy. Uh, is is debatable. But that's kind of what you're seeing unfold. So,
0: interesting times. Yeah. Interesting times we live in. Pretty wild. Um, well, yeah. Uh, I guess we'll wrap that out and see if we have any closing thoughts from everyone. Um, but uh, one last mention make sure you get yourself a Bitbox 02 hardware wallet and get your coins off the exchange. Um, you know, go to shiftcrypto.ch/slash Bitcoin made simple. And use the promo code Bitcoin Made Simple to get five percent off. Also, if you guys want to get a subscription to Movies Plus, use the promo code Corey C O R Y, and that'll knock the price down to two dollars a month. And uh, the price for two, for the price of two dollars a month, you'll be getting the Movies Plus original. Q sent me. Uh, if you remember the guy with the buffalo horns and the red and blue face paint that was walking into the Capitol on January sixth. Um, yeah, we have the only interview footage with that dude, and it's a three-part series that uh, that is coming out uh, only on Movies Plus.
1: And... Why don't I add Congress, I believe, demanded a subpoena yeah. of that footage? <laughs> Congress and asked all of for And the... Jason basically said, fuck off, we're using this for a documentary.
0: Yep, yep. The yeah. Congress has asked for the footage for the uh, January 6th committee that they have. Uh... So um, it's kind of, uh, I, I'd say it's a selling point. If it's such good footage that Congress wants it, um, then you're definitely going to want to tune in. So anybody in Congress, if you guys want to check it out, uh, it comes out on November 11th, and you can watch it. Uh, Just use the promo code Corey, get yourself a discount, and uh, you'll have some great stuff to watch. And also, we have our first original up there. It's called Welcome Home, and I know everyone that's watching this show and listens to the show is going to want to watch welcome home because they will enjoy the story of an, an Afghanistan war vet coming home and trying to be forced out of his home by uh, white supremacists, And then he goes a little crazy and, uh, it's a fun one. So anyways, um, and you guys, all you listeners, you had, I had Dave, uh, David Lugo, the director on, um, the show uh i think a month or, month or so ago to talk about it but um yeah other than that closing thoughts uh phil go first
1: just uh keep calm stay informed if you want but if not and you don't and you just want to tune out then you know vote for free speech and get a movies plus subscription and just keep stacking sats cuz you you got to you got to take your wins when when uh when they're given to you so um, I don't know. We appreciate, I appreciate everyone that tunes in and listens to us and hopefully we'll be uh, much more regular. We all kind of have been on a hiatus as far as putting content out, but I myself for my show and working on that. So expect some more content coming from me on a more regular basis in the next couple of weeks. But other than that, we appreciate the supports. So just stay tuned and uh, keep calm and hodl on.
2: And if you are stuck in sats, you guys can get $10 of free Bitcoin if you sign up with Amber. Uh, Obviously, they're a Bitcoin-only company um, and they're sponsoring the podcast as well. So if you use promo code LUKE1, you can get $10 of free Bitcoin. And like we say about all exchanges, don't keep your Bitcoin on the exchange. Transfer it into a nice, sexy little hardware wallet. We recommend the Bitmox02 hardware wallet. It is the cheapest and the easiest hardware wallet to use. And you guys can get, what was it, Corey? 5% off if you use promo code, Bitcoin Made Simple. So Amber, if you're in America or Australia, check them out. They're a great Bitcoin-only company. I recently released an article on there titled Bitcoin uh, and the Bitcoin, no, Bitcoin, the dollar milkshake and how we separate money from state. So you should go check that out. Uh, But yeah, closing thoughts, uh, keep stacking saps. Uh, we're living through extraordinary times. Um, honestly, this is like literally the most interesting time that I believe there is to be alive. So I'm fascinated. I'm loving it. Um, just trying to learn as much as I can about Bitcoin. Um, anyone listening in, uh, get your Bitcoin off exchanges. They're all going to go bankrupt. Um, and, you know, keep keep paying attention. Wild times ahead. Awesome.
0: Awesome. All right, well, guys, thank you for listening, and we will see you live on Movies Plus next time. Um, but also, if you're listening on the podcast and all the regular spaces, you can catch it there at a later time. All right, guys, stack hats and keep calm.
2: Peace. Adios, amigos.